set apart, unique, and unlike any other. And so we thank the living God for his mercy and his grace that endures and it's beautiful. He's holy and he says, be holy for I am holy. And so he doesn't just tell us that. He renews us through Christ's glorious victory on the cross uh, to be able to be holy. And so we thank him for the empowerment, not just the mandate. I love that God gives mandates after he gives you the ability. Um, and that, that's the beauty of a God who has a vision and strategy. We don't have a visionary God only. We have a God that strategically develops us, and manages our ability to look more like Jesus Christ. You should give him one more hand praise real quick. Amen. Uh, thank you all who are our visitors. Let's give God one more hand praise for our first time visitors. Thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging with us today. What an awesome privilege it is to have you gather with us. We know that there are a lot of places in the Delaware Valley that you can gather, and we're honored that you would choose to be at Epiphany Fellowship in these here parts of Philadelphia. So thank you for that. Uh, just a few things, a couple things. Um, we're um, going on our action walk, and so it'd be great. I love it if at least every believer here one time went on our, our action walk. Great opportunity to get to know our neighborhood and to be an effective ministry of presence here in our neighborhood so that we can come across and connect with um, people in our neighborhood, in our city, um, who we want to um, connect with and reach and even connect with believers because contrary to popular belief, there are people who believe in Jesus already around here. Um, and yet um, we want to minister to those who are yet to be as well and to serve the community uh, long term. I was on um, prayer driving the neighborhood the other day and uh, came across uh, a, um, a, a old community center, small community center a woman, um, I am so mad I forgot her name, um, but it is on uh, 27th and Sigley, right off of Diamond Street. And she was doing ministry uh, and serving uh, in the early 70s in the neighborhood by herself. Um, got a building, got a senior building behind it, and in front of it was a community center for kids to get so much gang violence was here. And so she developed this community center to be able to serve um, the neighborhood, um, education, some of the stuff that we are envisioning of doing, she was doing it in the early 70s. And, um, and that uh, place is in disrepair right now. I'd love to get that joint, man, and resurrect it from the dead and um, just insert uh, our ministry and keep her name on it. Don't put our name on it, but keep her name on it. But that was encouraging, very, very encouraging to my spirit and soul uh, to see uh, that there's a legacy. Epiphany Fellowship isn't the first uh, group to do ministry around here, but people have been doing ministry around here for years. And so the tendency of a new generation of people doing ministry is to think they're the first ones to do something and, uh, and, 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 and step on the shoulders versus stand on the shoulders of those who, who came before us. And so, again, uh, the action walk is to be aware. Uh, many times churches and communities like this tend to drive past issues to a building and worship and celebrate and praise and then drive back past those issues uh, to their humble abodes of wherever they live and never minister and then 30 years later find themselves in hyper decline and then wanting to minister to the community because of attendance versus out of a desire to do gospel ministry. And so we don't wanna find ourselves doing ministry to survive. <laughs> because um, uh, God won't honor it. Uh, we want to do ministry because that's what we were put here to do in the first place. Amen. And so that's what we want to do. So let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Action walk. Then we're going to have some family time this afternoon. 
uh, bring whatever kind of cards you do, just no tarot cards, but, um, <laughs> you know, some of us. I'm redeeming, you know, nah, that, some stuff ain't redeemable, dog, you know, just let that go. And um, um, bring some phase 10, I don't fool with phase 10, like, but you do it. it uno, some spades, you know, um, you know, uh, Monopoly, people get to arguing, though. Don't own no real property, but y'all be arguing <laughs> over that Monopoly, man. You know, hungry, hungry, hippo, whatever your thing is. Some of y'all that went right past you, I'm sorry. Um, connect for whatever, and let's have a good time and celebrate together and enjoy. Uh, let's, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 through uh, chapter 7, verse 1. We're still in our series on keeping 100. Let's go. One, two, three, read. Amen. Amen. Today in our time together, I'd like to talk about being a community of distinction, being a community of distinction. Let's go before Father God. Father God, uh, awesome is your name. Thank you, Lord God, for saving us in Christ, making us yours. We're bought with a price and we are not only bought to be in a relationship with you, but you also bought us to be in a relationship with one another. And so, God, I just pray that you would help this message to settle on our souls and not to just be something that we pass by as a, something we say, I enjoyed that sermon. But, Lord God, that it would be a word that settles deeply and, and grafts on our hearts and it'd be hidden in our hearts that we may be conformed to Christ's image. Help us to see you, Lord God, in this and see our, the necessity of what it looks like to walk in distinction as a community. And so in order to do that, Lord, I need power. Your people need open hearts. And so would you meet us there, Lord God, by your spirit. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. And help us not to just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, but help us to be uh, effectual and ferocious doers. In Jesus' name, everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, in the early a part of the 20th century, uh, there was a, a theologian uh, uh, slash activist, Christian pastor, in some people's view, that was viewed as a controversial and polarizing figure. Um, he was polarizing in some ways, shapes, and forms, and respects because of his commitment really to de-radicalize Christianity. 
And what I mean by de-radicalized Christianity is his desire was to see uh, what the Bible communicates is not a different type of Christianity that needs an adjective to describe it. In other words, radical means something other than what's normally communicated. But he's saying radical is actually the reality of just the basis of what's in the Bible. Uh, In other words, he began challenging the body of Christ on the cost of discipleship. Uh, he began challenging uh, the body of Christ that disciple, that being a, coming into the faith is free by faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone. But sanctification, although it's paid for too, does cost you a commitment of sacrifice. And that cost and that reality is, is as well a, a, a desire and reality of ours. And so he found himself coming to these uh, United States. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he went from Germany, neo-Nazi Germany, uh, in its height and moving towards World War II and came here in the year 1930 to come to seminary in Manhattan at the great seminary, Uni- Union Theological Seminary. And as he was there at Un- Union Theological Seminary, he expected to get robust biblical theology. <laughs> he expected to get uh, a, a robust systematic theology. He expected to learn exegesis and inclusive multi-ethnic church history. Um, his desire was to be blown away by an exalted and uh, cosmic commitment to Jesus, yet he found himself in the, in the corridors of apathy. He found himself in the, in, 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 under, under the pillars of, 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 of simplicity and idolatry and playful Christianity that was substandard of biblical scriptures that people needed to take, not for granted, but take seriously. And so a friend of his who was a sociologist was doing some work at the great Abyssinian Baptist Church there in Harlem, New York. And he saw, his friend said, yo, I want you, let, let's, let's come from over these churches in Manhattan. Uh, let's roll over here to, to, to Hood Harlem, Harlem to begin to uh, just chill over here and see what's going on at the Abyssinian Baptist Church. And so there under the leadership of Dr. Adam uh, Clayton Powell uh, Sr., uh, he found something in that hood church that he did not find in the ivory tower of a seminary. Uh, He found a man who preached uh, great intellectual truths from the Bible and not dumbing it down to people from public assistance to the boardrooms of Manhattan. He was committed to saying, I wanted to bring the weightiness of the Christian faith there. There he finally found the gospel. There he finally found biblical theology. There he finally found systematic theology. And not only did he find a, a, a powerful pulpit, but he also found a, a, a commitment to street engagement. Um, the Abbot Abyssinian Baptist Church was one of the first churches in the boroughs to build a community center that impacts and transforms the community even to this day. But, but, but out of all of the great intellectualism and biblical theology and systematic theology that he found himself being hugged under and huddled under, and even the social action that was connected to regeneration, not just social gospel, as people would say, but it was a gospel that saw that regeneration impacted the social implications of the surroundings of a city because the gospel changes everything. He saw that. And as he saw that reality, he not only saw that, but then he began to go in homes of older black folk in that neighborhood. And he found himself as a neo-Nazi guy raised in a racist Germany, now being theologically trained in racist America in homes of people eating fried chicken and collard greens and black eyed peas, rice and cornbread. 
yet being embraced as a community. And he saw Christianity for the first time from the Amer- these so-called Americas seen through these poor yet transformative committed people. It wasn't their blackness that they were exalting, but they were incarnating the eternal realities of Jesus Christ in the corridors of a broken inner city post the Harlem Renaissance. And he said, I finally found the faith. We found in it was a deep embrace and a hug that the community was giving him and accepting him in that way. And I wonder today if he were here, if he stepped into our inner cities, if he stepped into some of our churches and he stepped in some of our fancy and not so fancy edifices or edify rather, what would he find? Would he find this type of community where the people of God take the Bible seriously? where they take the moving of the Spirit seriously, where they take biblical commitment and connection and accountability and submission and love seriously. What would he find if he came today? So we find ourselves in a text that is pandemically glorious in its essence. We come to a 2 Corinthians, uh, this sixth chapter, where Paul is climaxing his desire for them. He has a great desire for the believers to stop ailing on the side of carnality and pouring themselves into Christianity. First point, community of just being a community of distinction. Number one, number one, we're gonna be a community of distinction. Number one, you gotta develop a godly affection for the church. (laughs) You gotta develop a godly, affection for the church. Um, Paul here pours out his heart, him and his crew, about their love for God's people. So much so that he wants to show his open commitment and affection towards them at the expense sometimes of himself. Look at what the text says. It says, we have freely, we have spoken freely to you. I like that. That's a good way to start. In other words, I've been straight up with you. See, 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 you need, see, that's what Christianity needs. Christianity needs truth tellers. Okay, I'm by myself. I got my amens at 11 o'clock, so I'll just preach in and see what happens. But, uh, but, 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 but he said, he said, he said, uh, uh, I spoke freely to you. In other words, I told you like a T.I. is. Now, 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 what I like about this, though, is he didn't say, I just put you on blast. What he says is, I've spoken plainly to you. I didn't hide anything that you needed from you. See, I, that's what I, that's, I don't know about you, but that's what I need in my life. I don't need people to talk about me. I need them to talk. See, see, see Paul, Paul, when he talk about this, speaking freely, I like then he inserts their government name in the middle, Corinthians. <laughs> And then he says, our hearts is open to you. I like he didn't use the word, he didn't put an S on heart. But he, said, he uses the plural pronoun our. Pointing to the unified desire of his crew to love as one group, one person, God's church. And so what he's saying is, is he's, I hope and is, as he's, our heart is wide open to you. See, no, no, we find out here, this means emotional freedom. So what, 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 no, we find here, we find something powerful. We find somebody that's willing to tell you off, but hang out with you. See, 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 let me just break it down real quick. See, the Bible says speak the truth in love, right? 
Let me just tell you something. The truth without love is condemnation. The truth with love is edification. Truth left alone is constipation. So I'll have the center instead of the outer because I want somebody in my life. I want some people in my life that ain't afraid of me, ain't intimidated by me, but they love me enough to tell me off, but to lick my wounds after they've given me a verbal beatdown. Uh, uh, and, and look, look, he said, our heart is, and listen, listen, it's wide open. The, the, the embedded idea exegetically of this terminology is emotionally open. See, the, the thing that hurts the church many times is we got so many emotional issues that we can't open up to nobody. <laughs> and, 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 what, and what begins to happen is, is we insert our past experiences into our present experiences and miss out on the expansiveness of what God wants to do through us in the current experience. That's why you got to be set up to heal from some stuff so that as God moves you forward, you can get all God has for you, but you can't get all God has for you if you are allowing yourselves to be emotionally broken by the past over and over and over again without dealing with it in a way so that you can have an open bag in the present. And so he says, he says, we have spoken freely to you. That's, that's, that's what we need. You know, I, I'm, I'm scared of the person where I say, how, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody. And walking with the thing under their arm and they, nothing's ever wrong with you. See, I don't want to spend no time with you. No, I don't want to spend no time with you because you can't be honest. And so, and, so, and, so, and so you need some people in your life, listen, that will speak freely. And that will open their hearts wide to you. Um, it's interesting. Um, you need people in your life where you can learn, you can tell, you can hear their story. See, you won't judge somebody if you know what they've gone through. See, one of the good things about biblical community and open your heart wide is sitting down. You know what I like to ask people? How did you come to know the Lord? Where did you grow up? Talk to me. And when you begin, see, you, you think they're crazy? But after you hear their story, you're like, oh, they ain't crazy as I thought they were. Because, man, after they went through all of that and they where they are, man, this ain't crazy. This is healing based on what they went through. Because, see, somebody, look at y'all ain't going to talk. Um, see, see, when you hear somebody, that's why it's important to listen to God's narrative trajectory in people's lives because it gives you a wide open heart to people that got major issues. Now, I know you think it's just for them, but it's also just for your crazy behind too. You, you, you need to be in a place as well where you tell your story in an unjudgmental environment where people are able to hear and understand you better. So that if somebody else come in the community, so-and-so crazy, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on now. Hold on now. You don't know, you don't know them like that. You don't know them like that. Fall back, chill out, join the church, and get serving, and, then, and get a, general, a life group, and then come talk to them. But don't do all that until you, you know what I'm saying? And you got to be able to do that. You can hear their hopes. Hear their hopes. What are your hopes? So you can cry together. Your disappointments. What's disappointed you? And let them pour out their heart. Because the Bible says, confess your sins one to one another that you may be healed. In other words, what's your hang-ups, i.e., what is your kryptonite? You need to have a couple people in your life that know your kryptonite. Oh, y'all ain't going to get real with Pastor today. It's okay. See, I got people in my life, they know my kryptonite, so they know how to redirect my GPS. I, I, I have people in my life that I invite. Somebody say invite. Yeah, see, y'all got scared on that part. Um, you need to be willing to invite. Now, you don't invite. Now, some of y'all tell everybody everything. 
Now, everything ain't for everybody. So what you have to do is you have to have, you have to give out intermediate, no, you gotta give out elementary, then intermediate, then advanced information about yourself. Now, now, okay, let me see if I can make it even plainer. I'm trying to show you what it looks like, sermonically. In other words, give them a little something, something information about, oh, cacao. See, stand back, stand back, and see what they do with it. If it comes back to you, then you say, all right, all, off to the next one. You know what I'm saying? In, in, other words, in other words, if you can't handle a nugget, like your Facebook post was about me without my name, so I ain't fooling with you no more. Flat out. Oh, y'all know people be doing that. Some people, you, you know, then means people be like, and all that kind of carrying on, right? And so, um, anyway. And so, and so then, but, but if, they, if they get that, if they can take that elementary, then they go from that elementary, you give them some intermediate. They can handle that intermediate, they say, oh, you can handle that, you can handle all this. Wow, you just let it all loose. You just let it all loose. And then now you have, but you can't do it because the Bible says you can't, but you can't do that with everybody. You can't be hyper vulnerable. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 18:4 that a man of many friends comes to ruin. So, so, so that means you got to get a tight formation of a few people that you trust, and it may not even be the people you grew up with. And so what you have to do is you, you need this type of community around you to be able to encourage you, to check you, and to strengthen you. And so he said, but look what Paul says. He says, he says, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. It means to be emotionally narrow, right there, to be emotionally narrow. <clears throat> not narrow in the good biblical sense, but narrow in the sense of almost fully closed off and almost emotionally unavailable to the body of Christ. And so what he's calling them to is an emotional availability. I can remember um, when, I, um, when my wife and I finished seminary um, 16 years ago, and you know, hey, man, I finished seminary, I knew everything. I knew. You understand what I said? I was two years, two and a half years of Greek, two years of Hebrew, um, a semester Aramaic, a little bit of Ugaritic up in that mug, you know what I'm saying? I, I, was, I, I translated books of the Bible, I translated Obadiah, I translated uh, John, I translated Romans twice. So you know, I thought I was going to come to the church and help the church out, you know what I'm saying? Because I was a beast with mine at 25 years old. You know, I was going to help uh, people uh, that's been walking with uh, Jesus longer than I've been living. You know, I just knew more than them because I spent four years and they've been walking with Jesus for 60 years. So end up... <laughs> So I ended up going to Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, and took an assistant pastoral role, and God, God, God bless my little young, wet-behind-the-ears heart. Um, and so I'm there, and, and, and my wife and I are there, and man, um, they gave me the mid-morning, the, mid, the midday Bible study on Wednesdays, and the average age was 85 years old. <laughs> And I'm in there, I'm bringing Bible study methods. Like, y'all, the Bible study methods I gave y'all is way scaled down than the one I gave them. Um, and, and so I, I was going to teach them everything I knew about the Bible. And so I went in there with my chest out, and they looking over their glasses at me like I'm crazy. But you know what I love about them? They've seen it before. And so because they've seen dumb, young <laughs> preachers before, so I can tell on myself, um, uh, since they saw my stupidity before, they knew the trek of patience. And so they let me teach, and, and, I, and God used it, and it blessed them, it did. But what's interestingly enough is they did for, more for me than I did for them. 
So guess what they started doing? They knew my wife and I were new to Houston. So they, would, they were introducing us to the cuisine of Houston because a lot of them were from Louisiana. So, you know, they would bring big old pots of dark gumbo. I'm talking about that murky gumbo and the, and, the, and, the, and the claws are hanging out of the gumbo like this, shrimp, shrimp all like this, you know, you know what I'm saying? Chicken all shredded and, you know, it just, and, and, and it got me that. They're making us homemade cornbread with jalapenos and cheese and corn in it. Woo, I feel God right now. Um, a, a bread pudding with bourbon sauce on it, no alcohol. Then, um, I mean, fried, I mean, they, and, and what they did, they invited us in our homes and accepted us and nurtured us and began to talk to me and slide little things in on me. And what that began to do without me knowing it is it opened me up to not just wanting to talk to the church, but to love the church. See, 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 what, 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 what is beautiful about a body is you ever been to a church where even if there's no ushers or no hospitality, you feel a hug from the congregation without them touching you. That's a beautiful thing right there. And so Paul, as he begins to lay this out and challenges us, even us with this idea of restrictions and affections, he wants us to be opened up to the Lord. He says, next, our next point. Being particular, I want you to be particular about who has access to your soul. Be particular about who has access. Somebody say access. Access to your soul. Look at what he says next. (coughs) He says, verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, many of us have heard this a billion times, and when we've heard it, we've looked at it more so in relation to dating, but applicationally, it can apply to dating, but in context, it's something way more rich. Back in their day, when they would have plowing, agricultural plowing, they would use oxen, right? Bulls or oxen that were used to plow fields so that they could plant seeds. And so what would be strange to them if they saw two different species of animals under the same yoke plowing because different species of animal have different strength and different purposes. So you wouldn't put a donkey beside an ox. It would look crazy. So they'd be like, why would you put them together? The, the, the yoke doesn't even fit right because this yoke is this size, this yoke is this size. And so what he's pointing back to is Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, there it is, upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you will find rest, listen, for your soul. So what happens is, is what is he talking about? Jesus is talking about, in his context, about people who have tried to do stuff on their own, people who tried to live under the law and have failed at the law, and they felt the heaviness of their self-failure. He says, take, take that yoke off. Take my yoke upon you, for it is, yoke is what? Easy, and my burden is light. In other words, I'm giving you freedom from you doing stuff on your own. Therefore, since you're getting freedom from doing stuff on your own, you can plow more effectively because now you're yoking up with me. I'm not yoking up with you. And so I fulfill the law. You take off the law and put on my blood. You take off your own efforts and you put on my divine life. You take off of your ability to be legalistic in all of your effectiveness and ineffectiveness and put on my death, burial, and resurrection. And so what is he saying? He said, when you yoke up with an unbeliever for soul stuff, You're putting yourself under a self-propelling yoke, which will always weigh you down. 
Now, I'm not saying you can't be around unbelievers at all. Don't go out of here. Some, see, see, they always in church always. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not, listen, they can tell you how to buy a car, tell you how to buy a house, you know, tell you how to put a resume together, but can't help you to get emotionally free from a broken relationship. Right. You know, you know, tell me how, you, how to get over this relationship. And they're going to tell you all kinds of crazy stuff. You understand? But because, because our problem is we are being pastored by the culture, not being pastored by Jesus. Okay, y'all not going to look at me. Look, uh, many of us find our hope and our ideas and our counseling off the breakfast club. <laughs> Power 97. Y'all got real quiet on that part. <laughs> many of us find our relationship and business advice off of empire. <laughs> Most of us find our view of singleness off of that other show. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. In other words, we are being culturally pastored versus biblically pastored. Paul said, Paul said, why in the world would you want to yoke yourself to mess again? Why not yoke yourself to the book and to biblical community? Why the, many of us, listen, this is what I'm trying to encourage you to do. Many of us wing it when it comes to decision making. Ain't nobody going to talk back. Uh, when, when in the world are you going to really believe that this actually works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, I'm telling y'all, you get this with some godly believers and some food, y'all going to get it in. Because it works and you got to, you, when is the first place you go for answers when you get a struggle? What's the first place you go when you have frustration? God is trying to nurture you to be distinct, not foolish. And how many times do you have to fail before it'll work? So he begins telling them, he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. He said, don't, don't put yourself in situations where you're opening up your soul to people whose soul is dead. He says, for what right? He says, for what partnership has righteousness with unrighteousness, lawlessness rather? And or what fellowship has light with darkness? And what is Paul talking about here? So as we look at this idea of what Paul is talking about, he uses fellowship, partnership, and accord. And when he talks about this idea, it's summed up in accord. And what I like about accord is this, is accord points to worldview and ethics. In other words, who shapes your way of thinking and how you lay out and walk in what you're thinking? <laughs> so when he says, what fellowship or what accord does Christ have with Belial? He's basically telling them this powerful thing. Stop trusting yourself by yourself. Wow. Let me see if I can break it down. Y'all not going to talk back to me. It's okay. He, he, th back in that day, their clubs were different than ours. See, clubs, I don't know how they were, you know, hey, I know 20 years ago or so, you know, clubs was a little different. But their clubs 2,000 years ago was off the map. Okay? So it was a temple mixed. It was spiritual and recreational. So their temples had idols in it, and they worshiped demons through praying to the idol with the presence of the food being sacrificed was cooked for everybody. But then it was nudity everywhere and orgies happening everywhere. So the Christians, I mean, the, you know, Corinthians, they were so spiritually mature, you know, they said, hey man, y'all wanna go get something to eat? Yeah, let's go get something to eat. So they go down to the club acting like they can handle that. Okay, I, I'm the only one. <laughs> See, some, let me just, can I be pastorally straight up? Some of y'all, 
need to stop acting like you can handle what you ain't been able to handle. <laughs> you, 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 listen, listen, listen. You can't handle your ex. I'ma just friend them. It's, you know, we on Facebook. Just friend them, and it's not gonna be anything with that. Oh, there ain't nobody talking back now. Oh, I ain't seen Shorty in a while. Dang. You know, I'm a friend request. Maybe I'll share the gospel at some point in boxing. You gotta know what you can handle. Listen, you gotta be smart enough to say, man, let me just block every situation that has to do with that situation. I'm just gonna block it. I'm just gonna block it. See, being distinct isn't you asserting yourself. Being distinct is admitting what you can't handle. See, ungodly people, see, you know you're ungodly if you say what you can handle that you can't handle. Godliness is admitting weakness, not asserting strength. <laughs> that's, why I, that's, that's, that's why I got, that's why my, all my boys know my stuff. Straight up, not straight up, straight up. They know my stuff. And so what I do is we get on the phone, how you doing? We just go cacaoism and, and talking about our disposition toward our need for the Lord. And we, man, why are you doing that, man? Stop tripping. And we going off on each other, loving each other, praying with each other, challenging each other. And, and, and that's what you need in your life. By the way, be careful of doing that alone in a unisex environment. Okay, that, this is for free. I don't think men and women can be friends like that. You always say what you want. You can't, like, go to the movies with an opposite sex buddy. Y'all not going to admit nothing. I mean, listen, listen. I've been, let me just give you my testimony. I've been there. I'm thinking everything's copacetic. You know, I'm just oblivious because I'm a dumb dude. I'm not knowing that I'm, let's go to the movies, let's go out to eat, we're just buddies, you know what I'm saying? Go in and get in a little booth in the mall, take a picture together, you know, not knowing that Shorty got a collage in her apartment, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you understand what I mean? <coughs> you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you don't, you don't know, when y'all get together, y'all talking about, listen, bi- talking Bible and you godly, that's attractive. Y'all better talk. Listen, I'm telling you something. Y'all better stop acting. I can't, we, we're just friends. That's, that's, my, that's my sanctified bro. No, 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 no. I've seen best friendships end up with estrogized testosterization with epinephrine mysticism. You can't handle it. This is my buddy. No, we can be buddy in community. Like, with other people around, we can hang together, but, but man, I ain't driving you home. Because if you park, I'm just giving you some real practical stuff. You park outside of the apartment and y'all talking, and an hour goes past, and two hours go past. Then she goes in the house, he goes in the house, and like, man, you just don't, I'm just telling y'all. That's it, I'm, I'm out of the way. <laughs> I'm out your way, but, but we gotta, listen, you gotta just be like, man, I can't, you, ladies, you need to tell the dude, I can't emotionally hand that. Hand that. Or, or, do you have any intentions for me? <laughs> what are your intentions? I remember a girl asked me that, that thing was like Dracula and garlic. 
<laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And so you got to be able to say, and fellas, don't be, this is, this is free pre-relationship series. Fellas, don't be just calling and texting verses randomly to women in, without it being a group text. I'm just being real practical. I just wanted to show you that the Lord loves you. Just wanted you to know that. Man, they, they, their mind has picked their dress. Ladies, ladies, y'all better be, I, I got three minutes. Y'all better be honest. Help me today, God. Anyway, I got to get to my last point, man. But I'm just trying to get, I was like, you got to just snitch on yourself. Amen. Last point. I'm out your way. It's real short. God identifies with himself as we identify ourselves with his people. Uh, God identifies himself with us as we identify ourselves with his people. Look at what it says here. It says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. I like it says we are the temple, not you are the temple. Look at the unity of community this idea puts us in. Then he goes down because what he's utilizing is the death and resurrection of our Lord centrically, or centrally rather, to help us to understand the nature of biblical community. And so as he points us to this reality, how does he do it? We are the temple. That means we are now a temple together that has different uses and utensils within us. That means the way God uses us is differently now, right? And so now that should give you godly esteem in him. You want to talk about knowledge yourself? This is good knowledge yourself right here. So look at what he says. He says, he quotes Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, I will make my dwelling among them. I love that. Because of the gospel, God makes his dwelling among us. Here with us. I love it. He says, and be separate from them. Talking about, he's talking about being separate in the sense of don't add them to biblical community, Right? Be a witness to them in biblical means. Says the Lord, and touch no unclean things, then I will welcome you. Then he goes and says, verse 18, he says, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. I love this. And so now he's, he's saying, if you get in community with one another, you'll realize your mind. In other words, you'll have my presence and my paternity. Practically, God likes to be present and he, he's not the dude that's, God is not like somebody like trying not to like own that he, he, you're his. He's not a deadbeat dad. You understand what I'm saying? I need to see a paternity test. He already saved you. So your Christ's blood runs through your veins. And so therefore you already have his paternity. And so we affirm the paternity of God in our lives when we get around people of our bloodline. How do you know you're part of the family if you don't ever get with the family? Like, we're in the family. We can't tell. You don't come to no family reunions. Every time we get together, you, every time we get together, it's a family reunion with Christ at the center. I got to close. So look at what he says. Look what he says. He says, verse 7, 1, I'm done. He says, since we have these promises. Yes, we got promises. That's what make us different. Promises are things that God said he'll do that he will keep the bargain on. So he said, you can bank on these. So he said, he said, we have these promises. What promises? That you'll have my presence, that I'll continue to affirm no matter what, that you're mine, right? And I'm, I'm demanding that you be distinct. I'm demanding I'm you walk in the net. What does he say? Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit. There it is. He says, whatever in your life is clogging your, 
your ability to experience me, get rid of it. That, that's what he's pointing to. Cleansing yourself is confessing sin, repenting, and experiencing the, the, the place of biblical community. And then finally, he says, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Fear of God means standing in awe of the reality of God. Bringing holiness to completion is our sanctification process, getting closer and closer to the place of where God wants to expand us to grow spiritually to look more like Jesus Christ. I got this and I'm out your way. Um, I remember um, when I first saw pizza dough, like, like, like do work with pizza dough. Like I had never seen that before. And I remember I was little, I was watching him work with the pizza dough and he took this little, like this little piece of dough. I was like, mom was like, that's gonna be the pizza. I said, how much more dough he gonna put in it? She said, she said baby, he's not gonna put any more dough in it. I was like, you know, I'm little so I'm looking. So he takes some cornmeal, he takes some flour, he lays it out, <coughs> presses the dough, and then it's still small. Then he began throwing that mug up like this. <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden it started to go like this and just expand and expand and expand. Then it got real, real big. I said, Mommy, that's too big to put dough on. And he's like, she's like, watch him, baby, watch him, baby. And then, and then he was doing like this, and then he put it down and that thing expanded into the right place. And then all of a sudden he sauced that mug up Drop some mozzarella cheese on it, and then put the stuff on it, and boom, went in the oven. And I was blown away because something so little, when it got into the hands of the baker, was able to get bigger because it submitted itself to being stretched. It submitted itself to being pushed out further in the hands of the baker than it could be by itself. And when it got to its place where it was stretched to its borders, ingredients that it didn't have on it in the first place could be added to it because it submitted itself to the handiwork of the baker. All I'm trying to tell you today is submit yourself to the Lord in biblical community. Allow yourself to be stretched. Allow yourself to be pushed. Allow yourself to be thrown in the air and God will add things to you with others that you can't get on your own. Let's go before him. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your work, your handiwork. God, your, your word that is enough for us, Lord God. And community that is too, Lord. I, I thank you for biblical community. I thank you for the people that aren't afraid to challenge me. Um, I thank you for that. I thank you uh, that you've invited me in. What's beautiful is, God, you've invited all of us into the community of the Trinity. You've been, you, you call us into community because you're in community. You eternally exist in, as God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, eternally. So you've modeled for us what perfect unity looks like. And in light of that perfect unity, you tell us to be unified with you in that unity. And so, God, I praise you for that. But in order to be in that unity with you, you have to have, we have to have a relationship with you to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never trusted Christ as Savior. Well, Christ died on the cross for your sins, got up on the third day with all power in his hands, all power in his hands. And, 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 and when he died on the cross, guess what? God poured out his anger towards us on him so that if whoever believed in him by faith, whoever believed in him by faith would have God's wrath applied 
to Jesus versus themselves. <laughs> we deserve to spend eternity separated from God, but God said he was willing to offer his son to save us, take us from spiritual death to spiritual life through his death, burial, and resurrection. <clears throat> Anyone here today want to put their confidence in Jesus Christ, want to trust in him by faith? Slip your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. Anyone?